Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, um, we've got Kelly um, Salamone, right? I know I probably ask this yep. all the time. Uh, on on the uh, on this, I guess maybe mini-sode precap to talk about the LA Classic coming up this weekend. But Kelly, thanks for for hopping on. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, just in case on the off chance people aren't following the OG panel at all, they don't know who you are. Can you just real quick give like your entire uh, dodgeball career in one like thirty second intro or spiel? Sure. Um, my name is Kelly Salamone. I played dodgeball for about oh gosh twelve years. Um, this last year, I haven't been really playing, but more so taking an administrative role on a lot of different leagues, stuff with USA Dodgeball, and of course, the classics. Gotcha. And so that was one of the things I wanted to ask um, right off the bat was, um, I've, I've noticed that exactly you said, you've, you've taken less of a, of a playing role and more of an um, admin role for the classic and um, for, for like worlds or like what, what, what have we been doing behind the scenes? This whole time. Yeah, well, I'm a part of the USA selection committee for Team USA for the women's team. So for kind of the first part of the year was focusing on a lot of that. Um, on the combine, working with our committee to pick the team. And now kind of organizing and getting things ready for Worlds that will be in Cancun in November. So I am... Um, assistant coach to Brittany Mastro. And so we're just kind of getting things ready, getting the girls ready for another, another championship match this year. I like that you put it that way. Yeah. Defending champs. Like, let's just get another one. And are, so are you behind like all the, like some of the fitness posts? Cause I've been seeing a lot of those, uh, pop up, um, of them just working out and just getting after it and getting ready to, for, for finals. Are you, are you part of that too? Or is that something that they're doing on their own or, yeah, well, uh, when we first selected the team, got them all together, uh, you know, Brittany had really talked to them about that we need to make sure that fitness is being looked at seriously. And so there were goals that they had to complete each week. And luckily, we have also some really great athletic trainers that are on the team, including Brenda Kramer. So she has been absolutely amazing she's been putting together workouts for the girls and they're just killing it it's really awesome to see so i think uh they're gonna they're gonna be ready for whatever comes this year i think so too just based off some of the footage i've seen and when you've got brenda um helping with that like how, how could they not be ready so i'm excited um were you uh weren't you i don't know if this is personal but were you in china recently too like i how? was um <laughs> i was recently in china for dodgeball, um, we were helping out with the world uh, police and fire games. So every two years, uh, police and fire personnel from around the world compete in different games uh, in these huge events. It's really kind of the Olympics for police and firefighters. And so we went out to help run the dodgeball portion in China. That's really cool. I never heard of that in all my many years of playing that I didn't have no idea that was a thing. Yeah. So there's a couple players um, who have helped ref before, especially in the national 
the USA games that happens in San Diego every year. And so Corey Morrison and Carrie Morrison are two of the people that have kind of led that. Hmm. And I have helped them out in previous years. Two years ago, it was in Los Angeles. So we had a few USA dodgeballers help ref. And then this last year was in China. And in another two years, it'll be in the Netherlands. That's crazy. So it's not just a, it's not just beholden to China. It, it, it travels. Right. It, it does. Varies. Yeah. It's up to the countries that are hosting the games, what sports um, get added in. And so we are working with um, them to try to get it added in for Netherlands. And then two years after that, it's going to be in Winnipeg and they've already agreed to have dodgeball there. Oh, nice. Man, I hope I'm still playing by then, or at least in the scene. So you've, you've definitely been active, just like you said, just not playing so much, but more just kind of becoming a, a, for lack of better words, like mover and shaker. Like you're just making stuff happen still, still involved in dodgeball heavily. Yeah, I think sometimes it helps to take a little break, um, see some things from a different perspective. It allows you to to find different goals that you want to set for yourself, um, even within one sport necessarily and push forward in those. And so I definitely see the next portion of my, you know, life and career within dodgeball being in that administrative role and helping to move some of these pieces along where we can grow dodgeball. That's awesome. So who would have thought, you know, back in the, the OG cahoots days that you would, um, end up in China overseeing or helping officiate this crazy program and then, you know, doing your own tournaments like the classic and who'd have thought, huh? Like your first I night know. of going and for anybody that's listening that may not be aware of the OG panel, we talk about your history. I think in episode one is when we go way back to like the 2004, 2005 days. And it's just crazy to think about how much uh, growth development and change we've all experienced since, since the, the dark times. But, um, I uh, will try not to get into too many rabbit holes. I definitely want to keep this somewhat brief, but um, to move on to the classic. Um, so this is, which which classic is this one? Do you, do you know? This is going to be the San Diego co-ed classic. San Diego co-ed. Okay. Right. Because the women's was back in April, right? Yeah. So we traditionally do the women's in the spring and the co-ed kind of in the winter time. It had been in December but because Worlds is pushed back this year to that last week of November, I decided to push it up to October so that we could make sure that we had all of our our players that are able to go. Nice. And did uh, people, were they pretty receptive to that? Like, was anybody really upset? Like, oh, I can only make December? Or did that seem to be a better change? Because I, I realized, like, yeah, this is coming up way faster than I remember. Yeah, I haven't heard anything specifically. I know that October is also a busy month. Um, so, you know, next year we'll always look into what else we can do as far as making it work, but no one has outwardly said that, you know, they couldn't come because it was necessarily changed from December to October. We still have all of kind of our main teams. We have 16 teams. So a lot of people are showing up. Nice. And did you guys uh, usually sell out pretty fast, don't you? I remember like we were told, I think, five hours in advance to, to get the heads up and freaking out, making sure that we got a registration involved. So obviously that shows that, yeah, this, this hasn't dropped in popularity regardless of the time change. 
Yeah, um, we have a few less teams than last year. I think some of that is because we're in San Diego versus L.A., which it just makes it a little bit easier for people who live there to do it. Right. But honestly, I like that a little bit better because that way we can see kind of a higher level of play sometimes. And then on top of that, you'll get to play more teams per division. Gotcha. Is that uh, hashtag Kelly Try to Kill Us still, still alive, and is that still something that people use? Um, I know the girls definitely still do. The co-ed one's a little bit harder because we get so many teams. There is more sitting, and that's something that I can't necessarily control for. But because of the format of the tournament where it is timed on Saturday, you're guaranteed, you know, your certain amount of play time. We're not gonna, you're not gonna get cut. You're going to have those games that you're playing and you're going to have you know that full round so usually people at least come away a little tired a little sore after the first day even in the co-ed one but the women's they definitely get their work out there so we still just because us males are playing the co-ed we don't really understand what the women go through when it's their turn in april like we just get a taste. <laughs> well, you know, like. the, the hard thing is i could do it but i would have to limit the amount of teams to about 12 Oh man! So, it you know I I could do it, but maybe one day we'll see. <laughs> like like I could do it, but it's gonna cost more game time, and you're gonna hurt. So, I'll uh... yeah. I mean, no, you you would play a lot more. That's why it would. But there's just so many teams that want to play. I hate turning away that many. But we'll see where the future takes us. For sure. Um, why did you guys decide San Diego? You said was it, just, it was easier locally, or um, would you like to make the switch between LA and San Diego periodically? Or yeah, sometimes it just depends on what's available. Um, also, obviously, I'm based out of San Diego, so it's much easier for me if I can do it all locally. This year, I was able to partner up with a YMCA, and so it's been really great because they have been so excited about us coming and playing there. A lot of them are coming in on the weekend. They want to see the games. They've been extremely helpful. So I think it was a great way to um, work locally for me. And originally it was in San Diego. The first two women's classics were in San Diego. And so it's kind of a more coming back home. Nice. Was the was the first one back in 2013? Was it June? Cause I, yeah, I... the very first one was in June, okay. the women's tournament. They were the first two were June and then we started moving it up a little bit because uh, we were using it as a way to see the women play foam so when we were scouting we needed a little bit more time and needed a little bit more earlier in the year so that we were able to make some decisions off that so that's why it moved up into April and, and years before or after that gotcha so this is one of those at least in April it's one of those tournaments where if you want to be picked up for the combine you probably want to go to this one and, and show your stuff just for future well planning. you know it's nice now that elite has foam but it was it's a good opportunity for people to see them play foam but before that for the women uh there was really no other tournament that was specifically for foam so this was one that allowed us to really gauge their abilities in this division gotcha so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it's funny, like, I'm thinking about um, what to expect this weekend. Um, obviously, I've been there a few times already. 
And I've, I've noticed this in the past, but like I've never experienced cramping until I actually played in your classic and I had no idea what was happening to me. And I would always just not, not mock people that cramped up. Just, I couldn't understand like, why, why are you cramping? Like stretch and drink water. How hard can it be? And then my guy was, I humbled. Um, cause I just, my laser just shut down. I was like, what, what is happening to me right now? Um, so as far as like expectation goes, you kind of gave like the, you know, you're, you're going to get a lot of dodgeball. Uh, the 16 teams you're, you're doing, is it foam, no sting, and then rubber? Yes. 8.5. So what's the, what's the best way, um, to, to transition from each ball so people don't throw their shoulders out or in case anybody isn't really tracking the transition between that, because it, it's a lot of wear and tear on, on the shoulders, but do you have any like suggestions or advice on what to, how to transition from each division, especially going back to back between two days? Yeah. I mean, for me and I've actually talked to a couple people now because there have been questions about, you know, some of those transitions from ball types. Um, I've talked to people and the biggest thing is warming up, you know, between the divisions, make sure you go out there and warm up because yeah, you may be tired after foam, but the last thing you want to do is be tired and then go throw a different ball type. So you need to go warm up, get yourself ready, practice the mechanics that it takes for that ball type to make sure that you are being safe when you're throwing that next ball. Um, and so I think, Sometimes we see issues with that where people, I mean, you think about it in general, people warm up in dodgeball, but not to the extent that some athletes do in other sports. So we really have to kind of take that to a different level here where you are transferring different types of balls. You need to make sure that you warm up, that you have that little bit of practice beforehand before you're going in throwing a 100%. Yeah. And I think it's like people can go into games, at least in my own point uh, perspective, like, okay, I'm transitioning from foam to no sting, or I'm just showing up at open gym and I'm going to take it easy and throw light a few times. But then you just, I don't know, that second that ball flies past your head, you're you're just go full, full throttle without even realizing it. And you end up like pulling your, uh, your arm or hurting your elbow. So just, I I guess, yeah, just make that mental, um, actually, will will there be breaks in between each division? I'm trying to remember. So yes. that you can warm up. Okay. Yeah. So obviously use that time to hydrate, take care of yourself, drink pickle juice and then stretch and then throw before you just go, go ham on people. Cause I'm sure it's going to happen. But yeah, I just remember, um, hearing some people were like not throwing their arms out, but it, it's, you know, it, it's one thing to go from an all day tournament to day two with one ball type, but with all three times two days, it's, uh, you definitely need to take care of yourself a little bit better. Yeah. And especially when you're going into 8.5, you know, it's a much heavier ball. It's a different game in general, you know, I think strategy wise. Um, And so people just need to make sure that they are taking care of themselves in that sense. Um, For the most part, we haven't had too many issues. I know there have been a couple shoulder things, um, but overall, most people seem to be able to adapt pretty well to it. And like I said, I've talked to a couple of people that played baseball and they agreed with me that this is kind of the way that it should go from lighter to heavier. Thank you. I was talking to Tina about that earlier today and I was like, no, that's the transition that makes sense. Like go from lighter to heavier, especially it's going. Definitely, it's definitely been um, a discussion point, we'll say. Yeah, I, I'm in that, that same camp. I think it's lighter to heavier just makes sense. Um, but 
that could be a whole continued discussion down the road, but hopefully nobody gets hurt and they just do the right thing and stretch and take care of themselves and that'll take care of the whole thing. But um, just going through, so it's six players on the court, uh, three of each gender. Um, you cannot opt out of any division. And then there's division winners, and then there's one overall winner, right, for whoever racked up the most points or whoever placed the best. Yeah, so it's a mixture of both of those. So uh, when I first created it, the tournament, um, one, it was to make sure that women were playing multiple ball types. At the time, no sting was really the predominant ball type for women. And we were seeing a drop in players in 8.5, and no one was really playing foam at the time. So um, I wanted to create a tournament where you had to play all three. And so your team follows that all three pattern. And it kind of mimics this idea of more of like a track and field invitational. So you have your individual events, but also your whole team can win the entire invitational. So once you see kind of some of those coming through, you'll notice you'll get points for each win you get on round robin day and then points based off of where you place in the bracket. Gotcha. Nice. And then obviously the, the winning team is just showing that they've, they've come a very long way. They, they're able to, to hang in all three divisions and they, they truly deserve that, that, okay, they, they did awesome that weekend just cause it's, uh, like I said, it's like an accumulation of everything from day one and two. Yeah. Traditionally, what we'll see is the winner of the overall invitational will place top three in every division. Doesn't mean they win every division, but they'd be within the top three. Makes sense. Do you, uh, kind of random question, do you have a, like a favorite team name? Cause I know like some teams, I think they, I don't know if they rebrand, but they just like take on different team names. Uh, this is a chance for people to like, kind of like play with other teams or other players, but, uh, do you have like a favorite team name in mind so far or theme um, or? I've always been partial to sins. Um, but I, I mean, not really people change it up every year. They'll be the same team, but they'll change it a little bit. Um, so not necessarily that one sticks. If out. someone ever came out with like a, a beavers team, I guess I would have to like them most, but I guess you are. Yeah. Little, <laughs> little sentimental value there. Um, yeah. Kind of a different question, going back to the co-ed three-on-three, does this in any way um, help predict the success of the elite co-ed? Or does this have anything to do with that by chance? Because like, I think the rumor now is uh, co-ed's going to move to three for elite. So has this been like used as an indicator of success at all, or is this completely just different and not even trying to like field test it? Um. Well... I guess in a way you could say that, but uh, when I created the co-ed, it was more so to get more women involved in co-ed. So the way you do that is you create an equal number. Oftentimes we get an excuse of, well, there's not enough women. We have to play with two and then four guys. And then you see a little bit of an offset in what is happening on the court as far as who is helping in different roles and sometimes that works out and that's the roles that those people want to play and sometimes it doesn't. So the best way that I saw to remedy it uh, kind of around the board is just to make it even. Yeah. And so by creating the three and three, you really force teams to have to rely 
on those women and to bring them in more to the, that game play. And you definitely see it. I mean, the women matter so much at the Classic. Um, but this was all a decision that I made, you know, before Elite kind of was going in that way. I think they're seeing now more and more women, so they think it as a possibility to be able to do the same thing. So hopefully that will go into effect and you'll see that and see a little bit more equal play on the court. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm drawing from last year, remembering, um, you know, you see more women corners, you see more women throwing, uh, especially from the middle and it just changes the, the whole dynamic. So I really like the idea of three on three, um, as far as, uh, the co-ed makeup is, is concerned. And I, I just wondered if like, if Mark maybe looks at this as like an indicator for success or as a way to gauge it, if you were to incorporate that into leagues, I think it would be successful just based on what I've seen with this and probably, probably yeah. just different. Like, as you said, you've been doing this before, but um, yeah, I was just curious. Cause I know that that's like a, I won't say it's like a heated discussion or topic, but I know people are, are looking at next season a little, a little differently now. Um, if that's right. going to be the case. I mean, I don't know if he on, he ever looked at it that way, but I, could imagine that if it failed and people didn't like it, it wouldn't even be a discussion right now, but it's been really successful. So I think that's where you're kind of seeing this push to create the three V three or the three and three. And so that way, you know, hopefully it moves on farther and more people started playing that way. It is, I understand harder in some areas, but maybe you don't have as many women. And so, um, you know, I always encourage players who want to play more and want to play every division to recruit. Um, and, you know, a lot of times we think of like, well, women are recruiting more women, but most of the women I know were recruited by guys because they wanted to play co-ed. So, you know, go take that. And if you want to play a three V three, but you only three and three and you only have two girls start recruiting, start looking for girls. Now you can get girls to come out and play. That's not the problem. Um, especially if they feel like they have an equal role on the team. All good reasons to do it and just help the sport grow. So I like that. And you're not just here to shake balls and just be a body, like just be part of the team and, and hopefully we'll see growth that way. So I like it. I, yeah. I think it's, I think it'd be a, a good positive move, but, um, you know, that's probably a whole nother discussion with Mark one day, but, um, I did want to ask real quick, uh, because you mentioned the YMCA and I'm familiar with their policy since I ran leagues out of there and they are very anti-alcohol and somebody already posted, not going to name them, Joseph Quella, but just kidding. I did. Um, what's the policy on alcohol? Just cause that, that was something that was really big with Mark and his recaps. So what's your stance on that for this weekend? There is no alcohol allowed inside the YMCA. So, so if we find you holding alcohol or you have a cooler of alcohol or we find alcohol in a trash can, some type of can, bottle, I don't care what it is, you will be asked to leave the tournament. No warning, just you're, you're gone. Yep, I already gave a warning. That's what's posted on there when I talked to all of the um, captains at the captains meeting. They will, that is their warning. Uh, nice. We are not going to chance having our partners that are good partners and want to help us out and do events with us say that you can't do it anymore. Yes. So that, you know, we, we need to be a little bit more responsible in that sense. We have an after party. 
go out there, have fun. If you need some to shotgun something in your hotel room before you get to the gym, go ahead and do that. But absolutely no alcohol inside the YMCA. And just because somebody's probably thinking it, the parking lot, no, just on the premises, no, none, zero tolerance. Don't bring it into the YMCA. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. You know, there's going to be, we're all, obviously <clears throat> we're there, but it is a YMCA. There's going to be kids there going to the pool, people going to the gym. It's a beautiful, beautiful YMCA. And so we won't be the only ones around. Um, so just make sure that we are putting our best, you know, foot forward and yeah, just not, not being... making dodgeball look like we can't handle being in those spaces. Yeah, you just don't want to be that that guy or that that gal, I guess, and just ruin it for everybody. Especially because you said earlier, like they're they're really looking forward to watching this event. So the last thing you want to do is slap them in the face by, you know, just violating a really simple policy. Just don't don't bring alcohol into the Exactly. Um, Alana Meeks, because I'm looking at the discussion thread real quick. She asked, are dogs allowed at the venue? Unless they are. Um, service. Service dogs. Yeah, they, they won't be allowed in. Fair enough. Yeah, just play dodgeball. Let's not make this too crazy. Um, aside from that, is there anything that you would like uh, players, teams, or cabins to know about this weekend? that hasn't been posted already or will be covered in the captain's meeting? Um, I think, you know, just come out, have fun. It's going to be competitive. It always is. And if you have any feedback, find myself or Joe or, you know, any of the other people that will be helping out and let us know. You know, I always want to hear it. I got feedback after the last women's one. So we changed this one up a little bit. So I'm always – wanting to hear from everybody in a constructive way. If you come yelling at me, I will not listen to you. Um, but, you know, like I appreciate all the players opinions because in the end, that's who these tournaments are meant to be for. So, um, of course I can't change everything and I can't fix everything, but I'm always willing to listen. Nice. Awesome. Um, you already mentioned the after party. Will there be one on Sunday too? Or is it just Saturday? Just Saturday. I mean, we can always find a place to go out and eat. There's lots of places in the North Park, South Park area where we'd be close to. Um, but most people leave Sunday, so I don't usually suggest any place. But we can definitely all go somewhere if people are staying in town. If there's a if there's a will, there's a way. Gotcha. Yeah. Exactly. Very cool. Well, the last question I have, I was saving this for the OG panel, but um, just since I have you now, if you had to choose between team pizza or team taco, what would you be? If you had to choose one food. I mean, I have to go with team taco. I obviously, I'm Italian. I do love some pizza, but that's not my go-to Italian food. So I have to go with tacos. What is your go-to Italian food? Oh, and actually, my family always cooked eggplant parmesan. Huh. And we also had a special Sicilian dish that we made, which was kind of like a pasta casserole with different types of meat and 
stuff like that. So yeah, we have, we have kind of our own recipes. Gotcha. Oh, team taco. They're, they're winning, but it's just one of those things. I'm starting to ask everybody this, this season, take and take a tally, but, um, Cool. I mean, it's it's really important questions here, Steve. <laughs> I mean, it I, it's so funny how heated people get on, on Facebook about it. So it's almost like, does pineapple go on pizza? Is it Tyler Ham or oh, I forget the other one? But uh, yeah, people are the discussions are funny, and I, I had to throw this one. And I'm I'm curious what I'll do next season. But um, cool. Well, I think uh, we'll actually keep this at 30 minutes. That's unprecedented. I think this will be the first time a Minnesota is actually the actual length. So um, was there anything else that you wanted to add before we cut it? Cut it off. No, I'm excited for this weekend. We'll see you all there. Awesome. All right. So that was a uh, precap of the San Diego Classic Co-Ed Dodgeball Invitational hosted by Kelly Salamone. And Kelly, thank you so much for being willing to uh, to hop on again and talk about the Classic. Um, really hard to avoid some of the rabbit holes, but uh, all the more reasons why I need to have you on here separately for a long-form interview in the near future. But um yeah, sounds like uh, there's going to be a great tournament up ahead uh, for all of you that are going to participate and might be listening while um, en route, have the have safe travels. For everybody else, um, as always, thank you so much for, for listening. We're probably going to go back to uh, maybe one or two more interviews um, before international starts to, to creep up here where I want to talk to uh, maybe some of the other countries. But um, yeah, I think I'll just stop talking and uh, wish everybody else a good rest of your evening, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time.